The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly. I am joined this week by my one and only bro host, Shane Kelly. And this week we're doing a bit of a special episode. Um, a very special episode. A very special episode. We're, uh, I have recently come into the possession of a uh, Q2. You mean bought? He paid for yes. with money? I paid for with money uh, a Q2 Steam Deck. Uh, the Steam Deck if you haven't been following uh, or are not just glued to hardware gaming, PC gaming circles on the internet, is Valve's, uh, you know, Steam, the, uh, the, the main PC gaming marketplace on the internet slash in the world, uh, has a kind of console type of thing. They don't call it a console. Uh, they don't? They I thought released. they did. No, huh. they don't really they use call the word it a, console. Call it a PC? Yeah, they do. They say it's a PC, but uh, the Steam Deck is a handheld console, very clearly and visually uh, and sort of sort of ergonomically inspired by the Nintendo Switch. It's a large rectangular screen with buttons and you know gamepad type controls on the uh, left and right of it. Um, but under the hood, it is a very very different beast from anything that has come before, including uh, things like the Switch. Uh, I was very, very excited to get it because of the kinds of games that we cover for the show. We'll talk a little bit about how this device intersects with the short game and the kinds of things that we do and why I was so excited about it. But because I've had it now for just about a week, um, we mostly just sort of decided to talk a little bit about it on the show. Yeah, we both had a chance to go hands on with it. And it's kind of fun. We don't really get to play the role of being a gadget podcast much. Although I do love, I uh, love me some gadget podcasts. Some uh, so you, Reagan, you you can be our Marquis Brownlee of the day, <laughs> God, um, and uh, we will. Uh, I'm going to just sort of ask you my questions about it. Although I have I had a chance to go hands on with it myself, but the first thing is just I want to know. You said when you when you got it, you got a Q2 Steam Deck. What does that mean? Or just second quarter of yes, the year? Just second, is it a, just is second it quarter? Well, no. Um, Pickens it's just, different from January? So the Steam Deck went on sale and uh, it sold out. When it sold out, that's a, that's the wrong terminology. They're kind of making these things as fast as they can. But they um, the way they rolled this out is very different from the way that like console rollouts have been happening lately. You know, things like, like Sony, um, they just build big batches of consoles. They ship them out to uh, retailers for the most part. And then everybody has to scramble every time a new pallet hits a loading dock and uh, rinse and repeat ad infinitum. Um, because Valve is already a huge direct-to-consumer retailer, even though they don't really... They've done some little bits of hardware before, but they don't really do hardware. But they have a huge direct-to-consumer you know, sales operation, and so their approach was kind of different. Um, anybody When they announced the thing, they had a date where everybody who wanted one um, could go on to Steam, just the regular marketplace, and put down a $5 deposit to make a sort of pre-order, not a pre-order exactly, more like a reservation, um, to get one. And uh, when that happened, uh, Steam absolutely 
went nuts and kind of crashed. And I was on there like minute one trying to get my order in, my 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 reservation in. And I think I got my reservation in within the first 15 to 20 minutes. Um, and even then, I wasn't they, – they started shipping these things Q1 of this year, but it was a fairly small number of them. Um, but I think I was one of the earlier people to get mine in 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 the queue where like my – my order date would be somewhere in Q2. Yeah. Um, so that's what the Q2 means. So, yeah, I mean, Q2 means Q2. Gotcha. Uh, and so just what was your first impression opening the box? Like, did it ship in a nice box? Uh, yeah. So the thing that's really surprising about it when you actually get the thing, I mean, first of all, like it comes in a really long, like it, it's a it's a long rectangular device and the box is even longer because of the way it's packaged. So it's I want to talk big, about that. I want to talk about the, the length. It is it is a lengthy item. Um, but yeah, it comes in a very like nice cardboard box, a very nice cardboard box. You heard it here, folks. The most important thing about the packaging is that it ships in a case, um, which I thought was a really nice uh, touch. I knew it was coming that way, but it's still really nice to open up your box and find that it's it's not like the Steam Deck in a little you know plastic inside. Yeah, the Switch in didn't box. come with a case. The uh, I guess the only other comparable device would be the Game Gear. Uh, did not come in a case. This thing is very comparable to the Game Gear. Maybe we could come to that. Uh, but I it, think it's it is comparable to the Game Gear in more than one way. It really is. This is the this is today's Game Gear. Um, in a good way. I love the Game Gear. We all love the Game Gear. Uh, I didn't love the Game Gear at the time. I I I liked the Game Gear. Oh, I loved our. I, I yeah I loved yeah yeah. Well, well, let's let's not make this a re- Game Gear retrospective. That'll be our uh, our next episode. Right. But the thing about the case is that it it like it ships in the case, and so basically what you get in the box is the Steam Deck in a nice zippered uh, Steam Deck case that's very nicely padded, and I think a pretty good design. Um, and then that is all inside of a nice little plastic bag with a little insert and then, you know, clamped into a big cardboard box. Um, pretty nice out of the box experience, uh, booted it up and it takes you through a little, uh, steam login screen where I, you know, signed in with my existing steam account and then boom, I was there in an interface that looks a lot like a modern console interface, you know, but, uh, had my entire steam library. Right, ready sweet. and waiting. That's pretty sweet. Well, um, before we get into the library games, let's talk about that actual device itself. It's kind of it's kind of weird. We've kind of already compared it to things like the Game Gear, but it is uh, you know the the idea with the Switch. Um, I think people responded to the Switch's design, but a lot of people really just as, uh, responded to the Switch's form factor, which is you know the candy bar with the. Uh, you know, split a controller in half and stick a screen in between. So it's the only design. It's sort of like the, um, you know, when when Apple came out with the iPhone and then every phone after that looked like that because, you know, it was a design innovation, but also mm-hmm. it was sort of the only design that makes sense for a device that does what it does. And every phone after the iPhone has looked like an iPhone. I, I'm going to keep comparing to the Game Gear, but just the Game Gear looked more like a modern controller split in half with a screen in between than it actually looked like controllers of its era, if you think about it. That's 
kind of true. the 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 thing about the uh, the Steam Deck is like it looks to the to first glance a lot like a Nintendo Switch because that is the only design that makes sense for a gaming handheld anymore. Yeah, like if you're going to make a gaming handheld that plays games that have a similar um, set of controls and screen dimensions to a desktop or a console for your tv this is all you can do this is the design um and steam has kind of just gone with that um the big difference between this and a switch apart from the fact that the the controls don't come off uh it is one big unit um is that uh, it has the d-pad and the and the buttons like you would expect uh it has two sticks there's some interesting stuff about the sticks they're they're not they're they're more like full size console controller sticks than like the sticks on a Switch Joy-Con. They feel really good to me. Um, I'm I'm pretty happy with the way the analog sticks work. Um, but then just below the sticks, it has a pair of haptic trackpads. Um, these little square pads that are um, right below the trackpad, below the below the sticks, where you can easily access them when you're playing. Uh, and these are one of the weirder control aspects of it. It's it's the most unique control aspect to the Steam Deck. Um, it's like a trackpad. It's it's a lot like Apple's designs for trackpads. Um, in that it's like a it has a I don't think it's actually multi touch. I'm not sure, but it has it's a very accurate feeling trackpad. You're meant to use it with your thumb, but you can of course use it with a finger. And when you do, if you're doing something like controlling a mouse, which is one of the main uses for the trackpads. Um, it just feels like a trackpad, like you would expect. Um, but it, it has a haptic sort of vibration to it. Uh, and they use that to simulate a trackball. Um, if you're doing something... So the, the idea with the Steam Deck is they want to have controls that can accommodate any game you would normally play on a PC. And for things that support a controller, obviously you're there. It's got controls that very closely match the controls on kind of a halfway between like an Xbox and PlayStation, but really close to an Xbox controller like you'd expect to use with a PC. Um, but the the touchpads are there to enable those few things that you might want to play on a PC that might potentially also work on a handheld, but that don't take direct controller input like you'd expect from like a console game. Um, and so, for example, if you're wanting to play something like Diablo or like uh, like a civilization game or something like that where you're mostly going to be doing point and, pointing and clicking with a mouse. Um, you can do that with a touchscreen, uh, but for finer control, you also have these trackpads. And the trackpads feel, it's really clever haptics that they've done to make, and also kind of inertial um, mouse movement where they make yeah. it feel a little bit like rolling a trackball. If you've ever used a trackball, you have that kind of inertia where you kind of flick the trackball and it continues to roll after you let go. And how fast you flick it kind of depends on how fast that ball is going to roll and how far your mouse is going to go before inertia kind of slows it to a stop. And this has that. Um, you can do fine motions by doing small movements on the, the touchpad and you can do big mouse movements by doing flicks that kind of feel like you're rolling something uh like a trackball and it well, has I guess this that accommodates feel. the size of these things but they're they're they are basically trackpads but they're trackpads that are the size of i don't know like a silver dollar or well that it kind yeah, of implies they're, they're round they're, they're just about the size of your thumb like they're they're a square they're like they're like an inch square maybe Mm -hmm. um and they are a really cool thing to include here um they do kind of enable a lot of stuff they also though feel a little bit like um 
like a like a band-aid over the fact that like they want this thing to cover a huge number of game types and the the trackpads feel a little bit like like well for everything else that doesn't take controller input here figure it out with this yeah they also kind of seem like a an affordance or maybe like an admission to the fact that this is a device where it seems like if you're going to mess with it enough and load in anything except a certain set of Steam games through Steam, um, you're going to get kicked out to an actual desktop at some point. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Steam games, even even then, like it, this seems like the kind of device where there are enough layers of abstraction to the software, which is the whole topic. I, I'm very fascinated about the whole Proton Linux stack running on this thing. But it has a desktop, and I suppose in that desktop you can do things like access a file system and pull up Mm -hmm. a web browser and install Microsoft Office. I know that it's possible to fully install Windows on this thing. It, it, It has the full hardware stack of a Windows PC, so yeah, such a strange thing. Yeah, so we'll talk a little bit about that side of things in a minute because I, I want to talk about like the process of getting um, non-Steam games onto the thing, which is a big part of the appeal for me. Is like this is a handheld where I could run whatever random thing I download off of itch, and that is really cool. But it is kind of weird. But the the, the quick key thing about the software side thing is that like yes, it has a full PC style interface under the hood, but you really want to stay in its controller style and an interface because like it feels like a really good handheld and it feels like a really annoying to use PC. If you I mean, the minute you PC. said controlling it with a trackball, I think that was clear. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, trackballs are not a popular, um, input method for PCs to be. Yeah. So like having all the, the, like under the hood, it is a PC with a full PC interface is like a really useful and interesting release valve for like, if you want to do a thing with this thing that it doesn't support out of the box, it's a thing you can do because of that. But it's, it's, uh, it's not the main well, draw here. We're, we're op- speaking of the, what the main draw We're we're talking about what it's good at. Right. And we want to continue to kind of round out the ergonomics and like basic use of the thing. Uh, we did get several great questions from uh, people in our community. And so one here I want to throw out is just the experience of holding it. David, uh, David Giza from our community said, uh, like, how heavy is it? And does it feel good playing with it in your hands for a long time? So I'm sure you can Google like what is the actual weight of the Steam Deck. Um, I don't have that number in front of me, but I can say that like the weight hasn't been a problem for me. And I think it's because they've done an incredibly good job distributing it um, and making it feel comfortable to hold. Um, the thing that like if you look at a picture of the Steam Deck, it has a kind of a weird shape. It, it looks when you look at a, a photo of it like the controls are all squeezed up into the top right and left corners. Um, whereas like on a switch controller, it kind of looks visually better. It looks as if the controls are a little bit spread more evenly across the surface of the joy cons. And then also unlike the switch where they have this nice, uh, rectangle kind rounded rectangle shape to the left and right sides. Um, the steam deck looks a little bit like it kind of is like a rounded rectangle with the bottom two corners kind of rounded a little extra. Um, and the reason for that it doesn't look as nice as a switch in like photographs, but it feels ridiculously more comfortable to hold. Um, and the reason for that is like the way that the, the like 
that rounded bottom works, it fits at least on my hands. I'm sure this is varies for people with different sized hands, but I think I have pretty average sized hands. Um, the sort of butt of it, the rounded bottom fits perfectly into my palms with my fingers resting on the controls at the top. And that means like when I'm holding the thing, um, most of the weight of it is being held by my palms rather than when I'm playing the switch, I usually have to kind of press into it from the sides in order to support it. And I'm not doing that here. So it is definitely heavier than a switch, but like I played for longer using this uh, than I have ever played a switch in a single sitting without feeling like hand fatigue. Now, the mm. switch, I eventually kind of solved that problem by buying a grip for it. There's a number of different grips you can buy for the switch that like put it into a thing that gives it more of a butt, right? Um, but like, like I didn't, I, yeah, but I'm never going to need to do that with the Steam Deck. Or at least I don't think so. It feels way better ergonomically than a switch does to me i, I kind of got that sense as well i didn't spend very much time with it um really the i did feel like the controls were well placed even though they look like they're very high and except for those touchpads again uh back on those and there's also um like a, a couple of buttons that i, I kind of want to ask you about one is the button that's just the steam button and the other one is the uh ellipsis or three little dots button like those yeah. are really low. You have to definitely maybe move your whole hand to press them. Uh, and what do those bring you to? Yeah. So the idea with those is they're, they're buttons you're never, ever going to use while you're playing a game unless you're doing something specifically like device oriented, like managing. So like, you know, on like a Windows PC or something, you know, you've got your the um, if you're using like an Xbox controller, um, uh, you know, you've got the start and quote unquote, like, I don't know what they actually call them on an Xbox controller, the one with the little lines and the one with the little squares. You know, yeah, the, the, what, the boxes button and the hamburger button. Yeah, so those exist on the Steam Deck because they want to make sure that it has the full set of Windows buttons. So if you're playing, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn or something, um, those buttons are mapped to something in that game. And so they couldn't use those for things like, what if I want to go in and turn on and off Bluetooth? Or if I want to close the game? Or if I want to, like, back out to my library or something, right? So they needed buttons for that. Um, basically, the Steam button brings up a menu that lets you choose from things like, um, you know, going back to your library or uh, going to the store, because, of course, it's Steam. They want you to use the store as much as you possibly can. It's got a friends and chat feature in there, you know, being able to go to your, uh, like, settings and see things like, you know, get into the full settings screen. The the three dots is more like quick settings. Um and those are really useful. So there's a couple things in there that are really neat. Um, you, can, you can use that to get to the notifications screen, to like a quick view of your friends list, which I am not a huge like f like social Steam user. I don't use their chat or anything very much. Uh, maybe I would if everybody I knew was playing multiplayer games with me on Steam, but that's not really how I use this, these things. But in there are, are two. No, you like quiet, cozy games that you play alone. I do. I do like those. <laughs> Um, I play in offline mode a lot. You probably get slightly better battery life playing offline, right? Yeah, probably. Um, but the, uh, the main two things that are useful on that, like three dots button is like the quick settings, which lets you just do basic stuff like adjust the brightness and volume, but also, um, the performance menu. Uh, and this is a really big aspect. So uh, a lot of other folks had questions about the battery life um, and the battery life on this thing varies extremely widely. Yeah. Eli on our discord in particular had some questions about the battery life. He said, uh, how is the battery life? 
And he also wanted to know about the weight and size in terms of just what is the experience of playing it for long periods. I know you have had a chance to play some Elden Ring on this thing, and that's more of a long session kind of game. At least it is for me, um, constantly. And uh, what was that like? How much yes. time did you get? So um, it'll have a, a battery life, like a projected battery life indicator. Like if you pull up that performance menu, it'll show you like your battery's at 99%. And your projected battery life right now, like I'm looking at mine and it's just idling at the menu. And my projected battery life right now at 99% is eight hours and 45 minutes, which is to say that if I just left it idling at the menu then and doing absolutely nothing, sure, eight hours and 45 minutes, that's pretty reasonable. But you're never just leaving it idling at the menu. So what I've seen it generally estimate and from the play experience I've had, I think this is accurate. But again, I've had it about a week and I've never really run the battery 100% dry at this point. Um, is If you're playing a uh like a, a like a 2d game basically like anything the, the kind of stuff that we tend to cover a lot on this show you know if you're playing like an indie pixel art platformer or something you're probably going to get about six hours of battery life which i think is great and that's more than i generally get with something like the switch at least with my old switch that has a kind of an elderly battery um but if you start playing something like Elden Ring, which is pretty intensive, um, there are some ways that you can adjust the performance of the game in order to adjust the battery life. But in general, you want to expect somewhere between uh, two and three hours or potentially as low as like an hour and a half. Um, if you're really burning battery playing something heavy duty like Elden Would Ring. Would you reach for a uh, power cord? At that point, you'll, I'm sure you can play with this thing plugged in. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's It's got a, you know, it, it takes USB-C charging. Um, and I've got a zillion different ways to USB-C charge in my house now because I've got, you know, my laptop and switches, got multiple switches in the house. And we've got, um, you know, multiple iPads in the house and lots of USB-C charging spots around the house. And, Does it get hot? Uh, it does get hot but they've been very very smart about it so um if you're using it for something heavy duty like elden ring it's going to spin up its fan and you'll definitely hear the fan um and if you're the sort of person who's really bothered by fan noise uh this thing might bother you it is like a gaming laptop in that way like it's not quite as loud as some gaming laptops i've heard but it's it's loud enough that you're definitely going to notice it but they were really, really smart about how they arranged the internal components, and everything that gets hot is right in the middle. Uh, and so the even when I was playing Elden Ring for like three, four hours at a stretch plugged in, uh, it, the hand grips and the controls never got hot. They were, you know, just perfectly normal room temperature the entire time it's blowing the heat out the top it's got a vent that blows directly up past the screen and it's got a uh, like a air intake that's directly in the back and if you feel the the back of the device it gets quite warm um but it never gets uncomfortable to hold and it's not like a laptop where like you might potentially be holding it in your lap and you feel every like watt of that heat uh like radiating into your lap or something it's well, just uh, suppose you were you were playing elden ring on the couch plugged in and then you fell asleep and then you awaken with the steam deck right on your face is it going to be really hot on your face um i i would probably not think so like it's not that hot because i feel like this is the sort of thing that would happen to me 
Uh, I mean, it's not, it's not going to burn you, dude. It's like, it's, it's, it's like warm, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like a warm device, but it's not, it's not going to get like burning hot or anything. You're not going to hurt yourself. Um, the, the fan noise is the, is the only, probably the only part of it where I'm like, man, I wish, I hope that in, in like gen two, that this is something that they improve. Um, but like, it's, it's actually like. I tune it out. Uh, I know other people are really bothered by fan noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I'm playing a game, uh, I tune it out. And the thing has pretty good speakers. So, like, if there's good sound playing through the thing, like, it's, you know, it gets loud enough that I don't hear the fan yeah. noise. But if you're playing on, like, headphones, is the noise of the fan loud enough that you think it could bother someone else in the room with you? Like, here's here's my hypothetical. If I wanted to play this with headphones on... um, but someone is asleep next to me. I doubt that would bother somebody who's sleeping unless they're really sensitive about it. It's it's like um here I'll uh uh here you know what? I'm going to boot up uh I'm going to boot up Elden Ring uh on this thing right now. Oh, hell yeah. Let's let's uh and, let's team uh, up. I'll hold it up to the mic. You're It'll take Morgan, a second right? for it to get uh get hot. And no shame. Uh, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not co-oping right now. We're <laughs> recording a podcast. I'm literally just doing this so you can hear the fan noise once it, once it spins up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not too bad. Um, the, uh, the other thing about the performance though, is that, you know, I mentioned the battery life can really vary and there are a number of really smart things they've built into the, into the device's performance menu that you can tweak if you want to try to get better battery life or better performance. The big one is that you can cap the frame rate. Um, so th- the device has a 60 FPS or 60 Hertz screen, which means like it can go up to 60 FPS, you know, with, with the screen, it's not a variable refresh rate screen, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but it is, you know, it's a, it's a nice 720 P ish. It's like 800 P, uh, uh, you know, a small but really nice screen. It's not OLED, but it's it's totally usable. I find it very immersive to use if I'm holding it relatively close to my face. Um, but anyway, uh, a lot of games, like you know, fancy looking games, won't go to a full 60 FPS on this thing. Maybe I could get Elden Ring to go to 60 FPS if I cranked all of its settings down as low as they would go. Um, but like on pretty normal settings, uh, something like Elden Ring. Uh, runs at a variable uh, frame rate somewhere between uh, 30 and 60 and mostly around 45, but it goes up and down a lot depending on the scene. Um, I find that like varying frame rate a little more distracting than just taking it down to 30 FPS. And there is a system level frame rate cap that you can apply that clocks things down a little bit to save battery life too. So if I'm playing something like Elden Ring, I can tell it, I don't want 60 FPS and I don't honestly want, you know, 45 ish variable FPS. I want a clean, nice 30 FPS that's consistent and it'll save a little bit of battery by doing that. And uh, to my eye, that looks better than 45 if it's varying, which is nice. Um, It also has an option to go all the way down to 15 FPS, which saves a lot of battery, but looks like a slideshow. But it's really good for things like visual novels or maybe strategy games or things like where the where the action on screen is, you know, not super dynamic and you don't really care. And you could save yourself potentially a good chunk of battery by going all the way down to 15 FPS. Um, Really neat. 
And then there's even options where if you want to get more advanced by doing things like lowering the TDP, which is like the, the um, I don't forget what that stands for, but it's like the, the amount of power that's being used by the processor, things like that. So here, here that's is the thermal uh, design power, the amount of thermal you, energy yeah. in watts that a cooling system has to dis- dissipate from the CPU. So here I'm now holding, I'm playing Elden Ring and I am, I think the fan is going at maximum and I'm holding the Steam Deck directly against my microphone. I'm not sure how much of this is coming through because I do do some processing on the, uh, on the audio of this show. Uh, if, I, if I can, I'll try and make sure that I, I clip this part out so that it's unprocessed, unfiltered audio if folks care to listen. I certainly can't hear it over Zoom. Okay, Zoom is definitely uh, filtering it out. But there you have it. That's what it sounds like. Let's see. Is there anything else to talk about with the hardware? Uh, oh, I didn't talk. You know, we talked about buttons, but I didn't mention the thing has really neat um, back buttons. Uh, I don't have a lot of controllers that have those sort of paddle or or sort of back button things on the bottom of the controller. This has four. It has two on either side. And that's really neat if you are trying to, um, like, for example, if you're trying to remap things onto the touchpads or if you're trying to come up with like a more creative uh, like button mapping scheme. Maybe you're trying to play one of those Civ type games or a uh, MMO or something where you know the more inputs, the better. I actually haven't really used those much, but in something like Elden Ring, I've used them a little bit because it actually is neat to be able to map something like a, like a backstep or like using a, a flask that you know might be tricky to do in a moment of panic if I have to move my hand off of a, a, a thumbstick. Yeah. Um, but having them mapped to a back button is kind of neat. And having four of those on the handheld, like this thing has more inputs than any controller I own. Yeah, that, that's just actually something I'm really impressed and kind of excited about for this device. I am the sort of person who has for a while used controllers that have um, like a, a back paddle. Uh, my main controller on a day-to-day basis is the 8-Bit Doe Pro 2, which has... Uh, really nice setup for being able to customize the the uses of the paddles and things like that. And it is super useful in certain kinds of games. Like the most common is in something I think is probably not super interesting to the short game audience, which is first-person shooters. But um, really any 3D game um, that is an action game often has you wanting to be able to control the camera at the same time as giving inputs. And in a first-person shooter, the classic is uh, looking to aim while jumping, right? And there mm-hmm. have been lots of different approaches that I have tried. Um, so you, know, you can always customize controls. I've gone to the bumper jumper control layout where you put jump on a, one of the triggers. But the, the, you know, it, just, it just remains that if you want to point the center of the screen at something to shoot it in a shooter um, while also pressing a button on the face, you know, your thumb can only be in one place. And so sometimes you see people with this curled finger approach over top of the controller, stuff like that. Elden Ring's yeah. a great example. You, you brought up Elden Ring, you know, being able to run while moving and looking, um, you know, is something that you would need something like like these paddles for. So 
having that on a mobile device pretty cool and you know uh, uh like look at something like the you know the xbox uh elite controllers um i'm surprised uh ps like playstation doesn't have like an official thing but there's lots of sort of fancy playstation controllers that have the same thing this is sort of like an understood thing now for the folks that need it um but it is interesting to see it as like mm-hmm. built in it's also an accessibility feature um you know i i know there are people who have mobility issues in one of their hands who compensate by having paddles uh, moving some of those buttons to the opposite hand. So uh, this could be something that makes the Steam Deck more usable to, and this would probably be a pretty substantial group of people, uh, more usable than any handheld or, you know, PC type device that they've, they've had before. So it's a very nice to have this feature I'm really glad they decided to include it on all of them. It's the kind of thing that, if you look at controllers, tends to be put on a premium level product. Um, but it is something that I think can benefit everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Um, the only aspect of this hardware-wise that we haven't really talked about is the like docking experience, and that's mostly because there's not much to talk about here yet. They announced this thing alongside a hardware dock. Like If you think about something in terms of, like, hey, it's like a Switch, the first thing you're going to think is, like, and where's the dock? And it doesn't come with one. Um, and they have announced one. They like showed one off when they announced the device. Um, but it is essentially just a Steam or Valve-branded uh, USB-C docking station. Uh, this thing uses like a regular USB-C uh, interface for its dock. Um, and uh, you can just go and buy like an off-the-shelf like Anchor or whatever brand thing that has, you know, a, a USB hub and maybe an Ethernet port and hopefully an HDMI out and plug it into this thing. Uh, and they work. Uh, and I've tried a couple of things. I even have a uh, a thing called a Genki Covert Dock, which is like a power adapter. I was really adapter. curious about this thing. I, I'm probably going to buy one of these for my Switch. Uh, this is not an ad for Genki Covert Docks, but um, I was excited to hear this worked. Um, the the Genki Covert Dock is like a power brick uh, that has a USB-C port and an HDMI port built into it. And so it is a single device for power, line out to a television, and then a line out to your USB-C devices like a laptop a Nintendo Switch, or a Steam Deck. And you said it worked, huh? Yeah. Um, so the the docking experience on the Steam Deck is kind of a, a little bit flaky still um, because they don't have their own like first-party dock out yet. Um, there's some small inconveniences. For example, if you're in its main gaming mode uh, and you plug it into a TV or monitor, um, it will use whatever the native res of that TV or monitor is, even if it's not a resolution that makes sense. So like if you have a 4K TV and you plug this thing in, it's going to try to scale the uh, the handheld uh, interface up to a 4K TV and it looks weird. Um, and uh, also you might have some performance issues because a lot of stuff doesn't run well at 4K on a device this small. This um, was a big disappointment to me figuring this out because... To me, I use my Nintendo Switch almost exclusively docked. I I know that's not super common. I am more of like a big... I like to have big screens, and I like to sit back on a couch and play my games. I like to play multiplayer games. And that doesn't seem like... It seems like this would be a great use case for the Steam Deck. Now it's a gaming PC that I can like bring with me and like plug into whatever strange hotel HDMI port I might happen to have access to. But 
doesn't sound like it's working that way. Well, I think you'll probably see it grow that way. If you want it to be that, it might flex to be that someday. Maybe even soon. Like when the actual dot comes out, I bet a lot of these issues get solved. Mm-hmm. It's but a even that, issue, really. like the design of the deck itself isn't something that seems super suited to docking. Um, like that seems like they knew you were going to be using this thing on a couch with a cord plugged into the wall. And because of that, they put the USB-C charging port on the top of it. But that's the only USB-C port, right? There's no other yeah. charging port. Mm-hmm. So it, it's either going to dock upside down or have a wire. No, no. It, it just sits in the dock. And the wi- the dock has a little kind of gooseneck wire that pops up to the top that you plug mm-hmm. into the top of it. So it's not quite as, as slick it's as this. not really a dock, the, then. It's a stand. I mean, it's a it's a dock. It's just, it just depends on your definition of dock. But it, yeah, it's basically like a like a hub with a stand built in. Um and I think it's a perfectly reasonable design. Like I, I don't, I don't think they needed to put a second USB port on the thing on the bottom just to let you dock it without having a wire. But, um, like, yeah, if you're buying this thing, you're buying it to use it as a handheld. Um, it has some cool uses outside of that potentially. Like there's, there's people who are, you know, this thing is a full-fledged PC. We'll talk about its desktop interface in a little bit, but if you want, you can hook this thing up to a monitor, plug in a mouse and keyboard and, you know, use a desktop interface and run office apps on it if you want, you know, you run a browser, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it is, you know, the, the docked experience for it is just okay at this point. I would not recommend it for that purpose uh, yet. I think if you're if you're wanting a small gaming PC to plug into a hotel TV, you're probably better off buying a small gaming PC. That said, this is a device that starts at $400. Like there's nothing else with this performance. Like they've done some really good deals with AMD to get a totally custom uh, like system on a chip that runs this thing. It's like a combo CPU and uh, what AMD calls an APU, which is like an integrated GPU all on a single uh, like die. And it's, uh, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. And it's a chip that right now is only in the steam deck. It's very comparable to the chips that you see in some of the higher end consoles right now, I think. Um, But it's, it's pretty unique to this device and it's kind of insane that you can get something this powerful for 400 bucks. Um, but it's it's not going to hold a candle to like even like a thousand dollar gaming PC. Now, a thousand dollar gaming PC costs a lot more than four hundred dollars, but it's going to absolutely blow the pants off of it if you want to plug it into like a 4K TV. Um, well, if you want to on these devices, you can spend up to like seven hundred ish dollars, uh, yeah. six hundred and forty nine. Uh, so maybe we should talk a bit about the way that they're pricing this. I think there is the kind of um, consoles are always priced in a way that is uh, trying to sell you razor blades. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so the Steam Deck probably is doing the same thing here, but they're also made some very interesting hardware choices, of course. But for three ninety nine, you're only getting sixty four gigabytes of storage space. Did that? hurt for you how have you already filled it what are you doing there no, i got the middle model i got the one with 256 gigs okay and that also um, has faster storage does that what, how does that quantify yeah so i don't remember the specifics of the of the 64 gig model inside the steam deck it has standard m.2 ssd slots um now it has it requires like a specific form factor of those SSDs. Most uh, M.2 SSDs are kind of long, like a like a gumstick kind of size, and the ones that this use are shorter. They're like 
kind of like postage stamp sized, but it's the same connector. So it's like a standard thing. Theoretically, you know, down the road, you can buy an SSD upgrade for these things. Even the one that has the 64 gigs, it's the same motherboard. It's just a slower SSD on a chip or whatever. Um, is using slower SSD technology. I don't think the speed of the storage is a huge factor because I was able to play some nice 3D full quality games running entirely off of the SD card. It has SD card storage. It has like just a regular micro SD card slot. You can stick a one terabyte micro SD card in this thing and you can install your games directly to the SD card and they run fine. Um, you know, I installed Elden Ring on my internal storage and it boots up pretty fast. Um, but, uh, like, you know, I installed like, uh, you know, PGA tour 2k 21 on my micro SD card and it runs just fine. It's not a fancy, fancy looking game. Yeah. Um, and the, the load times are not like, but the load times are fine. Um, so like I would say, you know, the 64 gig one is fine. Probably they all, they do, they're doing the Apple thing here where all of the, the models, uh, have the same CPU and GPU and they're only distinguished by storage and some little little elements of finish. So like the highest end model, I think mostly just so you have something to be able to point at other than more storage uh, for your extra, what is almost double the cost. It has like a, a, like a micro uh, texture uh, anti-glare screen. Um, personally, I like glossy screens, so that wasn't a factor for me. Um, and... That's it. That's the only difference between like the top end and the bottom two, apart from the SSD storage, um, which again, I don't think is a huge factor. It runs fine off of a, a micro SD card. So like, it's fine. Like, I, I think it's really interesting that they gave you that price flexibility. And apparently the, the most expensive one was their top seller, which boggles my mind. For me, the middle one seemed like the best deal. Um, but even that was like $120 more than the base model. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think they're going to sell a lot of these things. And with a like a price at $400, it's like kind of an insane deal. Yeah, it does seem like a really attractive price point. But uh, when they announced these, I had just bought a full-on gaming PC. And so I, I hadn't really, I didn't really have the stomach for a 400 bucks and then wait I don't know how long was it. Oh yeah, year? so I I forget, but it was almost a year um, between when I did the reservation. Now the reservation was five dollars, so I was like, sure, yeah. man, take my five bucks, I'll get in line. Um, and that's what I would recommend. Like, if this is a cool device that you're interested in, like, put your five bucks in line because the line's not getting any shorter. And I think right now, if you get in line, you're basically looking at like the holiday season, probably. Right now, if you go on there, it says. Um, after Q3, October 2022 or later. That's yeah, their, so uh, that's probably the holiday season, uh, you know, or maybe even next year, which I certainly hope it doesn't go that far, but it might. Um, but like, I think it's, you know, I think it's really worthwhile as a, as a value just in terms of like performance and and kind of fit and finish and everything. Um, I hope we see a lot more devices like it coming out because, you know, as they love to say all over their marketing for this thing, it is just a PC. It has all of the characteristics, both positive and negative of a PC, except it is in a handheld form factor. So like, you know, you've got 
the de- you know with PCs you've got the desktop form factor you've got the laptop form factor this is a third one of those um, I guess fourth if you count the uh, weird um, like Surface tablet touchscreen PCs as a separate form factor but like this is a new form factor for PCs designed specifically for gaming um, it's enabled by like n- you know new advances in being able to put full-fledged PCs, including GPUs that actually are worth using uh, into a system on a chip um, and using low enough power to put batteries in them to power them. Um, but it, it is just a PC in all the ways that you can think of. So um, I don't know, really interesting. I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, something I think is really, like, I, this is where I get a little nerdy about this thing. Yeah. Um, but you were telling I, me uh, about the 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 nerdiest guts of it like the the proton uh linux desktop and stuff like that yeah so this is something that you know for the most part if you buy one of these things you can treat it like a console and if you treat it like a console um you can pretty much just ignore all of this but except for one specific thing which is that like games that you see on steam will have a little badge on them that says that they are verified for the steam deck or they are verified with some caveats and they'll give you like some info about it. Like maybe the button prompts will have like keyboard buttons occasionally or something um, or not verified or not tested. So they have like a testing scheme to determine whether something is ready to go for huh. the Steam Deck. And you might think like, well, why? Like if it's a PC, right? It's a it's an x86 PC. It's got an AMD APU. That's all stuff that you find in lots of PCs all over the place well, today. Partially because like, I'm not going to want to pull out a keyboard and plug it in uh, in order to get right. past the starting screen on some game. That would be yeah, annoying. Some of this is just like input stuff, but there's also like a sort of a verification process for does this thing run on the Steam Deck? And you, you know, you, you might think like, why? do I need to verify if this game that runs on Steam on my Windows PC will run on this other thing that Valve says is also a PC? Uh, and the reason is it's actually really different in a couple of ways. The big one is that it is not running Windows. It is running um, uh, SteamOS, which is a distribution of Linux that Valve developed. This is SteamOS 3, which under the hood is basically Arch Linux with a bunch of stuff piled on top of it. Um, and uh uh, but in order to allow you to run those Windows games that Steam, uh, you know, they just have a store where you can buy Windows games, right? But most of those developers are not putting out Linux builds. They can, but mostly are they're not putting out Linux builds of their games. How do they run on this device um, that doesn't run Windows? Uh, Valve has uh, for many years been funding the development of a project called proton proton is actually sort of a distribution of a larger project called wine um and uh, what that means is like you know a, a game when you run it on your windows pc um it is a bunch of code and graphics and whatnot that is talking to a an api or a set of apis uh, programming interfaces that are part of or distributed with Windows. So things like DirectX, you know, you write a game, it needs to draw a sphere hovering on screen. It talks to DirectX to talk to your graphics card, to talk to your screen, to draw that sphere. And there is an API, a set of documented ways that a program can tell DirectX to draw a sphere on your screen. And Proton replaces all of those APIs that are proprietary to Windows with free open source APIs that can run on Linux or other operating systems, basically just Linux. Yeah, if you want to get a sense of how a game will run on this, one of the things I think is kind of cool on Proton is the Proton DB, 
which is just sort of a unofficial community website that uh, crowdsources information on how well any particular game works on Proton. Um, and this has been going on for years, and it was sort of fringy, weird thing where only Linux purists would bother to yeah even until try until now that we have what seems like the best possible hardware for this project. So hmm, hmm yeah, Steam. well. So this is one way that that Valve has been preparing for this product for basically a decade in ways that mostly from the outside looked like weird skunk works failures and have all come together in kind of an incredible way here. So like all flowing together, like you might remember a few years ago, Steam uh, had the Steam controller, which was largely seen as a failure. It was a controller that like Valve's pitch for it was we want to have a single controller to enable people to have, you know, to have more living room experiences with their games uh, that are PC games. We want to have the a Steam controller. controller was so wild. It we talk about these touch screens, the, I yeah. mean, the touch, not touch screens, sorry, touch pads. The Steam controller was like real in love with these touch pads. <laughs> it was kind of awful, actually. So it's it's uh, if you don't remember it, 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 it's distinguishing thing was that like rather than having a right uh, stick. It had a kind of a disc slash cup shaped trackpad that worked a lot like the touchpads on the Steam Deck. It had haptics and it kind of felt a little bit like a trackball, although it kind of imagined like a trackball that actually was sort of like an inverted like disc that you were running your finger around the inside of. Um, And the like it kind of worked, but like their idea never came to pass. Their idea there was like, we're going to have a system by which you can have a single controller that can have a, a a weird dish that you fiddle your thumb around in that can replace a trackpad. It can replace a mouse. It can replace mm-hmm. a, a, a joystick. Yeah. And it can be other things as well. Well, and this was kind of the last big piece of Steam's steam machines initiative and the, there was mm-hmm. some really intriguing hardware there like the steam link um like hdmi cable in a box pc thing that you could yeah that's still here too in a way so like the the steam machines initiative was another huge part of this if you go back far enough basically many many years ago steam saw microsoft starting their own app store and their their worry was that you know, long term, and I think this was, they were right to worry about this. Their their long term worry about this was that they are a PC gaming vendor that that has essentially one platform. They were a hundred percent at the mercy of Microsoft, and if Microsoft yeah. decided that um, they were going to you know put out a version of of Windows or maybe even just like their own Windows boxes or devices, and it's like, hey. We're taking a more Apple approach now, and now you can only buy games from us, or you can only buy uh, software that we've blessed, and we're going to take a cut or something like that. It would put Valve out of business, Um, and that was a real risk for them. And so as a kind of a hedge, they began working on their own operating system. They wanted to make uh, PC gaming on Linux a viable thing, and it's taken basically a decade for that to happen. And it's taken a bunch of different projects. So along the way, they had the Steam Machines initiative where they were going to, um, rather than building their own console, they wanted a kind of an initiative where they would have vendors like like the traditional like PC space where they'd have like you know Dell would make a Steam machine and and whoever else would wanted would make a Steam machine, and they would be different kind of quote unquote consoles, but they would run Valve's operating system, use Valve's controller maybe 
um, and have a like a Steam interface be like their 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 only interface. Um, uh, but they would be whatever you know, like a PC. They'd be whatever you want inside of them. So you could buy a fancy Steam machine with a fancy GPU, and you could buy a crummy Steam machine with a crummy GPU. Only yeah. if few vendors actually I, made these things. I think I was still it, thinking of the Steam. I think I said Steam machines. I meant the Steam Link. That was a yeah. whole other thing. Like that was the the streaming device. Which is that's a whole nother topic, I guess. Yeah, that came later, um, and that that technology still sort of right. exists. So, like there are other there are other projects there. Like the the Steam Link was their attempt to well, well, we failed at putting PCs in every living room. What if the people who have PCs in their not living room could stick a box next to their TV yeah. and could stream their games from their their living room or from their office or wherever to their to their living room? Um, and that kind of worked, but like the the real truth of it is that like uh, streaming games from a PC inside your house to another screen elsewhere in your house um, is always going to be a little bit niche because it's a little bit fiddly. Um, no matter how nice. Yeah, and Steam it means you have to have experience. a PC that you like to game on and separately a TV that you also want to game on. And that's really not everybody, right. but a lot more people want to have a handheld. Mm-hmm. Also, another big aspect to this is that partly as part of the the thing with the, the controller and also partly with just the Steam Machines initiative, the the streaming initiative, um, and other stuff that they've been doing, like their big picture mode that they've had in Steam for years for folks who want to have their, their PCs connected to a big screen, have kind of a quote-unquote 10-foot interface. They also had Steam Input, which is that like, um, you know, pre- prior to Steam Input, most games talked directly to the controller. Um, and so every individual game needed to implement support for specific controllers. Uh, and there were standards like X input for Xbox controllers, but, uh, if you, but things like button customization and supporting oddball controllers and things like that were all just up to the individual games or up to, uh, enthusiast, uh, gamers to like download, things like, uh, you know, joy to key type of software, right? But uh, Steam built in Steam input into their client so that if you're running a game on Steam, uh, they have their own sort of in-between shim where your controller talks to Steam input and Steam input talks to the game. And so theoretically, any game can talk to any controller in a way that you as the user can have a fairly consistent interface for doing things like remapping. And that's another huge thing that came also became a huge part of the Steam Deck. So all of these technologies that they've put together over 10 years that individually seemed like kind of weird little projects, like who cared about the Steam controller? What a failure, right? Um, all that stuff is still here in this device and it's come together in a really incredible way that like now suddenly you have this device in your hands that almost magically isn't running windows, but can play all of your windows games. And you can do things like, what if I want to, to map my, my touchpad to like accelerated mouse look and use my, you know, use gamepad inputs for the rest of everything, that kind of thing. Like, and they've been working to have these like fallback cases in place for everything. Like if, if your game was not designed for steam deck, you know, built into 
the Steam input stack, they have instructions for the game on how to fall back to pretending to be an Xbox controller, and we're just going to figure it out from there. And Yeah, they have like a you know, the, the thing where you can create custom profiles for games that have weird control schemes or that you want to like set up your own special little control mapping, and then you can share that on Steam with other users. So somebody who downloads a game that doesn't have you know, gamepad support can just download your profile and they've already got a nice setup. And it's it's really quite slick. It does, though, mean that when you get into those weird corner cases, you know, if I do want to sit down and play like Civ, uh, Civilization 6 or whatever on my uh, Steam Deck, uh, you, you get into a lot of little complexities. Um, it's weird. Yeah, like what if it's a game you'd rather play with the touchpads pretending to be a mouse and bring up a digital touchscreen keyboard uh, to occasionally type, but meanwhile the game sees that you have a fake Xbox controller plugged into it and instead wants to get you all into that. So, I mean, that, this is one of the things where I'm like, I, I maybe am, I'm a little wondering what the real experience would be like for someone who's not all in on PC gaming specifically. Like, if if this is someone's first gaming PC, so to speak, like... There's a lot of complexity here that, that that is a step up from what you're going to be interacting with when you're on a regular console. Yeah, if you're coming from a gaming PC, this is going to feel relatively uh, like familiar, I think, um, in some ways. Uh, but if you're coming from consoles exclusively, this is going to be really weird. It's got a lot of options in the settings. Like you, what you just mentioned about like, well, what if this game supports both mouse and keyboard and a gamepad and I want to do some weird hybrid of both or whatever. Like those are all options that you can set and you can even do them on the fly as you're in the game if you want. Or you can even set up a thing like maybe I do want to do a special cord with my buttons that toggles between modes or something for controls. Like, <laughs> maybe I really want to plug in a Logitech mouse. Yeah, maybe you want to plug in Donkey Kongas uh, from your GameCube via an adapter and play Typing of the Dead by typing Morse code. There's probably a way to do that with this. Um, it's just, it, you know, it. The, ideally, the best case here is those quote-unquote verified games where they will just play with pretty much just gamepad controls you know and if it's verified that means you're going to see button prompts that make sense and you're never going to get stuck in a weird thing where you have to bring up an on-screen keyboard to enter a name or a save file type or something and you're never going to uh get stuck in a situation where like you have to hit okay on a button on a on a launcher prompt that uh doesn't support gamepad input or something um so verified is if you're wanting a, a console-like experience verified games will give you that um, but the, the thing that was a huge draw for me about this was that like, there is this whole universe of quote unquote yeah. non verified or non steam games. Ga so this is what really opens things up. Like, so there's two reasons that people want to play on PC, right? People want to play on PC because PCs have the very best graphics and, you know, you'll, you can be kind of at the forefront of what's possible in terms of, you know, gaming graphics, um, and that's the, that's the dream of, of playing PC games. That's why people get into PC games, but th there's really a second reason that people want to play PC games. And that's because PC games offer you an enormous variety of what you can get and where you can play it. So there are, there, there's that, there's going to be that person out there 
who has some old PC game that's not even – maybe Abandonware and wants to play <clears throat> that. Or you're the people like us who play a game a week and – you know, half the time those games are coming off of like itch.io because it's a tiny independent, uh, you know, single person who wants to post games online and and sell them in the simplest way possible. So, yeah, potentially or, or look at like emulation. Like I want to oh, play yeah. a game from a console that I uh, no longer own or I want to play yeah, in that's a illegal. new setting. I don't tell the cops all of these sorts of. Yeah, that that is the the big draw of of PC gaming for me. Like, I love having nice graphics, but like, I was I'm always I, I, I'm I'm satisfied enough. I was satisfied enough with the graphics on my PlayStation Four. Like, they're fine. Um, I like having nice graphics, but for me, the benefit of PC is that I don't have to worry about can I play that. I know on my PC I can. Um, no matter what, almost anything I can play it on my PC, and that's really the thing that drew me to the Steam Deck because like. It's almost become a cliche, but like, you know, uh, switch port when, you know, every time you see an indie game, like 100% of the responses to like a like a nice indie dev saying like, hey, I've got a great new game. It's launching today. Here's the trailer and it's out on itch.io and Steam and I hope everyone plays it. And every response is going to be like switch port when, switch port when, switch port mm-hmm. when. And like that sucks I get it, though, because I like Switch ports, too. I loved playing on the Switch because it's, you know, it's a it it, it fits into my life in so many more times and places like you know. I mean, that's I mean, and those those people that are saying Switch port when like those people are wanting to pay money and they're wanting to pay a premium to play this game on a low end piece of hardware uh, just because they can do it in bed. Like, exactly. <laughs> that's such an appeal. Um, and to be able to do that with a, a broader selection of things uh, that, you know, that's that's huge appeal of the Steam Deck for me. Um, so how is that playing out? Like, does this thing, did you did you get, let's, let's go down the list, okay? Mm-hmm. Did you get stuff from, random stuff from itch.io working? Yes, with a couple of caveats. Okay. Well, get let's uh, let's dive into it in a second. Can you get something from like the Epic Store working? Yes. Can you get something from and this is without like installing Windows? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've not installed How Windows on about, it. I don't intend to. Uh, things from game services like uh, like uh, Xbox Game Pass. No. That is the one big no right now for me. Like I can stream things from Xbox's cloud gaming thing on the Steam Deck, but the Xbox PC or the Xbox Game Pass for PC thing where you can actually download the games locally. um, My only option for that right now, which is still a pretty decent option, is to download them on my PC and stream them to the Steam Deck or stream them from xCloud or whatever they're currently. How about maybe GOG? Uh, doable. I've not done it yet personally, but I believe it is doable. Uh, GOG actually has DRM free downloads and so should be pretty mm. easy to do that. Mm-hmm. And in some cases they have Linux ports, but you don't need that. And what if I just saw a game that was like an ancient flash game that I could, uh, only load in an out of date browser. So I have not tried browser based games on here. I know that it's, it should be doable. Um, you can certainly load a browser in the desktop mode. Um, I have not figured out a way to get browser games into the uh, into the full like um, you know Steam like gamepad game like 
the handheld mode. Um, the gaming mode is what they call it. Um, and really you want to be in gaming mode for everything. If you can help it, um, being in desktop mode, uh, changes the way the inputs work in a way that is kind of annoying. Um, well, let's, let's, t- let's talk about the stuff people really want to hear about. I, I know some of our listeners were asking about itch.io and maybe just broadly in abstract, like what if you want to load something from a store that's not steam? Yeah. So like itch.io is a, is a perfect example because itch, uh, you mostly just go to their website and download a zip file, right? Um, itch has an app. Um, this was the caveat I was mentioning. Itch has a pretty okay app. That's like their version of like their store, right? So you can download the, and there is a Linux version of that. You can download the Linux itch.io app. Um, but it only downloads Linux versions of games, um, which is a pretty small minority of the games on itch. Um, and even then, like I tried downloading Linux versions of some games and they didn't work. Uh, Linux games actually are a little harder to get working on the steam deck than windows games. Um, yeah, cause the designed specifically to fa- be a fake windows gaming PC. On, right. Uh, on Proton. Um, so, uh, if you want to get one of those working, the simplest thing to do is you go to itch.io and just like you might on your gaming PC, if you're not using the window, the itch app, um, you download the game from your library. It downloads as a zip. You extract that zip somewhere. And then um, you tell Steam where the exe file is. So this works very similarly to the way that it works on a PC if you were adding a game to Steam. Um, Steam for desktop, and you can open the desktop version of Steam on this thing just fine. Um, Steam for desktop has a little button you hit at the bottom to add a non-Steam game. You do that, you select where the exe file is, and then it shows up in the Steam interface uh, on the desktop version. Then you switch back to the game like the handheld mode version, the gaming mode. And there it is. It's, it's a little tile in along with all of your other games. And it gets a special, like it shows up in the library. Uh, there's a spe- separate section in the library. If you want to look just at your non steam games, oh, um, so they, they actually have a spot for that stuff. Yeah. And if you want to be fancy about it, you can take the time to download little pictures to do things like add art for it so that it doesn't just look like a gray rectangle. Um, I'm fussy about that stuff. So I like to do it. I wish that part was easier because it, it is a very fussy to, if you're doing that by hand, it's very fussy to add artwork to uh, non-Steam games. Um, you have to go and download all the files. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't like copy and paste them in from a browser, for example. And there are like several different sized art assets that any given game has within the Steam interface. So yeah, I will never actually like a, do that. That's a good point. Yeah, it's kind of annoying. There's like a there's like a poster sized one. There's a logo that has to be on a transparent background. There's like background art that has no logo. And there's a horizontal rectangle. And all four of those, you set them in different places in the Steam UI. Okay. There's no one place where you can go to just add all four of them. So I This would be a really annoying. nice option for someone who's a, a coder to like create a Steam Deck specific version of like the itch.io store or a, or like a epic layer, you know, an app that runs on top that does some of these settings for you. Yeah. And honestly, I'd like to see, like, I think some of this stuff is coming too. there. Even just in the time I've had the steam deck, which has only been about a week, I've seen some things like the emulation options get way better in terms of this stuff. So I feel like, you know, if you check back in a year, there'll probably be some one click app that will download a thing from itch, check for art on the internet, add it to your steam interface and add all the art for you automatically or something. But uh, that isn't here yet. It's all a manual process. That said, if your goal is just get the game into Steam and play it, um, it's doable. And it only takes a few minutes. And once it's there, uh, it's really nice. Um, Runs fine for the most part. I have not run into anything that didn't work or just like flat out didn't work. Um, 
I have run into things where I needed to fuss with inputs in order to manage things like launchers. That's the big thing that that is a, a roadblock with some games. Um, and I've run into some performance issues. So like I installed a game from the Epic Store. There's a couple different ways to do that. The easiest is there is a Linux app called Heroic or the Heroic Game Launcher, which you can connect with your Epic account and it will download games from Epic. Um, you have to do that in desktop mode. So you booted to its desktop mode, which only takes a couple seconds. Um, you know, once you've got that app installed, you can use it to download games from your Epic store account. Um, and then, uh, there is a more complicated process to add those games to, uh, the steam UI, which I'm not going to go into here. Needless to say, like I had to submit a GitHub ticket to ask why it wasn't working for me at first. But this is all like tool stuff that I think is getting better. I think, again, if you check back in a little while, it'll probably be a one-click process on some future version of Heroic. Um, but it's uh, it's doable. Um, and uh, like, for example, I, I wanted to install um, the newest Laura Croft like, Tomb Raider game, which I got for free on Epic. So I wasn't going to buy it again if I didn't have to. Um, and I did install it. Uh, and I had to specify in its launcher that it run the DirectX 11, not the DirectX 12 version. For whatever reason, the DirectX 12 version was crashing on launch, things like that. So you're not probably going to see every game work, um, but it's most of them at this point. Uh, and uh, one way to check is if you go to that ProtonDB thing. Um, but yeah, like it's it's very impressive how... Uh, how like being able like to drop into a desktop interface, open Chrome, download something and then add it and then have it in the, in the deck UI feels a little bit like getting away with something. It's, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Um, so, you know, in general, you're happy with the support that you get from loading non steam stuff. Um, how about emulation specifically? Uh, that's actually pretty neat um so if you drop into that desktop ui it has a kind of app store or package manager graphical package manager called discover that's i think part of the uh, arch linux or kde or whatever the environment i think it's i think it's part of kde but um anyway it has a like a actual you know built-in store kind of interface where you can go and download applications and there's a section for emulators. You can just go in there and download RetroArch and Citra and the, you know, Yuzu uh, Nintendo Switch emulator and uh, like RPCS3 for PlayStation and, you know, all that thing, all that stuff is in there. Um, and, you know, when I first, when the Steam Deck first came out, I, there were a lot of people making YouTube videos and whatnot about how to get games running on it. And most of them involved going into the desktop interface and fussing around there, um, which you still have to do somewhat, but like they're, been a lot of efforts now to streamline the process of getting emulated games set up in a way that like looks nice and works well. Um, and so the thing that I've uh, been keeping an eye on and, and started experimenting with today is there's a, a, a website called um, Emudeck, uh, where somebody has created a script that you can run on your Steam Deck that will download all of those emulators. So everything from, I mean, the, the list here, I'll, I'll pull it up. Um, Everything uh, from at, uh, Genesis to N64 to Game Boy Advance. I'm seeing PSP, yeah, PlayStation 1, 2, everything 3, up Wii U. to and including the Switch. Yeah. Um, so like uh, PlayStation 1, 2, and 3, Wii U, Switch, 
um, uh, Citra, which is the 3DS, and then basically everything older than that. So RetroArch handles almost everything in the world, and um, like special emulators are installed for the things where it makes sense, like GameCube. And uh, uh, the main thing that that emudex script does, apart from just downloading the emulators for you, so you don't have to do each one on its own, is that it downloads like Steam Deck optimized settings. So you don't have to go through RetroArch and set up the buttons in every single one of those cores, right? It will just download settings files for you so that it just knows it's on a Steam Deck and has buttons that make sense pre-configured for you. And um, the only thing that I've really experimented with so far is PlayStation 2 emulation, but it runs pretty well. Um, I have been working on uh, playing um, Persona uh, 3 Fez for literally two plus years now. Uh, I keep putting it down and picking it up months or even a year later. Well, that's what this um, hardware is good for is putting things down and picking them up. Exactly. And so, yeah, I'm I'm back on that uh, a bullshit thanks to the Steam Deck. Um, and it's very nice to know that this is, this is there. And, and if you want, you can have it put all of your emulated games directly into steam and it'll grab art for you, which is why I'm hoping that there's a better solution for itch. Cause like the solution for this is pretty nice. Um, the, the thing that this kind of points towards for me, that is really interesting about this as a gadget um, is just the openness and the kind of hackability of it. It, that is, seems to be welcomed by steam. Mm-hmm. It, obviously they benefit from having a great piece of hardware that has access to their storefront as the best way to play the latest sixty dollar, um, you know, t- sometimes eighty dollar, you know, triple A game. Th- that's that's all great. But this has a great. If this truly is a great piece of mobile game hardware that has access to these huge libraries of past stuff, that's really cool. And like we had some people on our Discord with really specific use cases in mind, like um, you know, uh, Abekin. Uh, on the Discord was asking about, you know, was thinking about using it for, you know, Link to the Past um, randomizer runs. Like, yeah, I think that's, that's awesome. A, like, that's a great the, way to do it. Uh, someone else was asking about, like, Blue Stacks, which is like, a, uh, Jeremiah was asking about Blue Stacks, which is like, I, I, I've never really actually used this, but it's like a emulator for Android games. And yeah, I've I've experimented with it a little bit the, when there were some Android things I wanted to be able to run on a Mac. Um, yeah, I have I've never tried that, and I have no intention of trying BlueStacks. I don't have anything I really want to sure. play with that at the moment. But, but I, I mean, guess this, it might work. It has would. such a like it has a what seems like really flexible hardware. Like you, of course, you can strip it mm-hmm. down and run Windows on it if you want. And then it has really kitchen sink approach to the inputs. Like I, I assume yeah. also it has. You know, gyroscopes. Yeah, yeah, I didn't talk about you know, that. But it has talk about great touch screen. Uh, it's got like a, you know, uh, it so, has something I thought was really clever and interesting that I haven't encountered like an actual use for yet. But I know there are people out there who who do this. Um, it, it has uh, touch sensors in the the sticks, so the the system can tell when your thumb is on a stick versus when it is not, even if mm-hmm. you're not pressing the stick. And um, apparently some people use that for gyroscopic aiming. So like if you uh, if you're like hovering, you know, if you have your thumb on the stick, uh, then maybe you can tilt a device to aim. But then if you take your thumb off of the stick, it's not like randomly swinging your camera around when you're not touching the stick, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so like clever. 
I've never I've never used that kind of stuff. But it if you are the sort of person who wants like ultra customized uh, control schemes that let you do crazy shit like that, then, you know, this supports all of that. And it supports it yeah. natively with the Steam interface you probably already use. Yeah, like having having the, the combination of uh, thumbstick, um, ball-like touchpad, and gyroscopic aim seems like, you know, it, I am the kind of person who really likes to fine-tune controls that that that's kind of catnip for me shane i'm i'm very sorry to say that destiny 2 does not run on the steam Deck. oh i should have even i i should have asked uh that's probably uh, the, for the best i need to you know that Elden. is that is the one big area that i think um they're still trying to work on and may still find a lot of blockers for big games this doesn't come up very much for me because i don't play online games very much yeah um, online like fps is is a big yeah, That's lots of barrier. games have uh yeah, lots of games have anti-cheat. Um and most of them use these like big things like quote unquote easy anti-cheat is like a big uh one that a lot of them use. Um you know, Elden Ring uses easy anti-cheat. Um but there's other vendors for it. Some types of anti-cheat aren't supported at all, and other types of anti-cheat are supported but only if the developer specifies it. So easy anti-cheat is a huge one. Um, from what I understand, they the developer basically just has to release a build of their game that enables the Linux version of easy anti-cheat. Um, but a lot of developers, maybe they released their game ages ago and they don't have any you know interest in going back and doing a new build to check a box to, re- to include Linux yeah. support, right? Um, even if it is easy to add. So Valve is like working on that, it sounds like, but like that's the kind of thing where if you're playing an online, if your goal is to play an online game, like apparently this also is a big issue for a lot of MMOs, um, they have anti-cheat features that aren't emulatable by Proton. And yeah. uh, so they, you know, they have to wait for the developers to enable Linux versions of that aspect of their of their app. Yeah, I mean, so so maybe there are you, you want to check a little bit more if you if you have a really specific use case in mind. But if if you're like someone on our Discord or this doing the whole short game thing, mostly you're probably not dealing with that. I, I can't remember the last time we covered a game on this show that had even a <laughs> online fun, component, even an of any on, kind. yeah, any <laughs> kind of online component. Uh, maybe it was uh, Killer Queen Black. Um, probably, but uh, yeah. So, what I should, other? I should, see if I, I should download that on here, man. That'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. What what other uses? That that was another thing I was thinking about because you you've got this thing that's basically a handheld PC, right? It if you wanted to, you could install Microsoft Office on it. So you you probably could. I don't, I think you know you'd, you'd have to install don't Win- a Linux version of that. But no, but I, if you, you installed Windows, the browser, you, you can install Windows on these things. So yeah, you could delete the whole Linux thing, install Windows, and uh, now you are uh, you're turning it into a crappy laptop for no reason. Yeah. So a lot of people a lot of people ask about that about like, hey, are you going to install Windows on it, or it you know ha- how's the experience if you install Windows on it? And I think it would be bad. Um, there's a lot about this that. They've really done work in the software to make it a good experience using the the like Steam software, the Steam OS. Um, if right now uh, they said that this is going to change, but right now you can't dual boot it. You have to remove the the Steam OS in order to install um, Windows on it. They did release Windows drivers. 
Um, but they, that's still a work in progress. For example, they don't have windows sound drivers yet. So you have to use like Bluetooth audio or, um, or like uh, USB audio. If you want to do sound out of the thing right now, it's speakers don't work in windows and, um, you know, windows doesn't have like all of those performance features. There's no way to like hit a button and get it to, um, you know, crank down to 30 FPS or whatever. So battery life is going to be pretty bad in windows. Um, so I, I could potentially see there being a future where dual booting into windows on this thing might be something that some people would want to do for very special use cases. Like if you want to play destiny two on the thing, maybe it would be worth doing that. Um, if, you know, if it, if it's unsupported, um, or maybe if you want to download and play a game off of Xbox game pass and you specifically want to play it locally rather than streamed, um, it, maybe you would do that. Um, but like for me, like that, those cases are pretty rare uh, so far. And yeah, this thing already seems extremely fiddly, and now <laughs> running, trying to manage two separate operating systems on yeah. a handheld that doesn't even have a built-in keyboard. Oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go for it. Um, it. It's it's like it's a possibility, but it doesn't seem like a like an attractive approach. And what as far it as it like reminds other- me of is when they introduced the PlayStation 4 and had the Linux dual boot option on it. PS3, we did that. PS3, that's right. With We did that with I Yellow was, Dog Linux, right? Yeah, I was part of the uh the class action for that and I think I got I think I think I got shafted because they never sent me my check, but like I, I sent in all of the the documentation because I was one of those handful of people who ran Linux on their uh their PlayStation 3 and then lost that ability when they patched it out and I was mad about it. Not that mad, but a little bit mad. Yeah. Um, the uh, but yeah, like it, it it does have all these other PC features. I've definitely seen some people online connecting it to like a, a monitor, keyboard, and mouse, and doing like desktopy stuff on it. Um, I don't really see the appeal. If you have space in your life for a monitor, keyboard, and mouse, you probably have a computer you could hook up to that, and it would probably be better than trying to like use the Steam Deck for those purposes. But like I have definitely booted up a, a web browser on it in order to look up details about a quest in Elden Ring, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's a thing that I did. And even though that was kind of annoying to do because I was playing in Elden Ring and I had to like exit the game in order to get into desktop mode in order to boot up a browser. Um, and then later on, I was like, why did I do that? I have a phone. It was something that I was able to do. <laughs> um, yeah, I can I can foresee potential situations where it might be useful. Um, I'll tell you, I a big uh, amount of the appeal for me is uh, just having it as a PC that uh, again, having something that I have my games on that I am pl- that I that I want to play my games on that I can carry around anywhere and like play it in a hotel room, play it in my bedroom, you know, play it in my office wherever I, wherever I want to take it. And and that's, that's, what's really cool. I think everyone's going to have a, a little bit of a different, you know, use case for it. Like I think a lot of this, we don't play stuff that's going to really stretch it that much. We're not playing the super old stuff. We're not playing the super obscure. Uh, well, sometimes we're not playing the online shooters, Mm -hmm. but we had some questions from specific people in our discord that, had like ideas in mind for like their use case for it. So I'm going to throw some of these out and get, get some thoughts on that. One, one I thought was interesting. Um, well, 
Michael on Discord was asking, how does this thing handle information-dense games? He's thinking about particularly something like civilization games. So to me, that's like, you you seem to have a little bit of an issue with the way it supported resolutions, just connecting it up to a television. So, you know, if I can't hook it up to a big screen, I'm playing on the small 720p screen, and then like, how about it? Like if I'm trying to play Civ, which is kind of a mouse and keyboard interface, then I'm at 720p. What do you think? So I think its screen is fine for most stuff. Like I, you know, I was able to do things like manage my in- inventory in Elden Ring, a screen that has a lot of dense text and isn't particularly large text, uh, just fine. But I was also sitting with a thing pretty close to my face. Um, it's a it's a it's a, equivalent to a 720p screen. Most games are actually going to run at 720p with a few extra pixels at the top and the bottom, um, and uh, so like if you, if you can remember playing game, like if you, if you, if you can envision the game playing on something like a Nintendo switch screen, it's very similar in density to that. Um, there are definitely going to be games depending, depending on your like ability to, to see small text and whatnot. You know, I forgot be- to ask about the screen. Sorry to interrupt, but like, is it an OLED screen? No. Is it a LCD screen? Is it it's uh, a, it's a basic IPS. LCD screen. I, I think it's IPS. I don't actually how know the, that for sure. How are the angles on it? Uh, fine. I can look at it from most angles. I'm, I'm mostly only looking at it from straight ahead, you know, a handheld, you're not generally like looking at it off angle, but it it seems fine. Um, but it's not an OLED screen. I would, it also has kind of a large bezel. I think, you know, for steam deck two, I would love it if the, the screen was maybe 1080p would be lovely and, um, less bezels also lovely, you know, higher uh, density. Um, but like, it's fine. Like I haven't played a lot of games at 720p in a long time because I haven't had a 720p screen or monitor around my house in a long time. But like, it is very analogous to the Nintendo switch screen, um, but not OLED. So like color reproduction is fine, but not perfect. And, uh, like you're not going to see anything HDR on it. Um, for me, fine trade-off so if you're if you're using these emulators to load up a switch game it's not going to look better than it does on the switch no but it's actually going to look a lot like it does on the switch like you can you can put it in exactly 720 in fact in in many cases it might look better um i've i've only seen videos on youtube about this but like um i have messed around with yuzu the switch emulator on windows and uh games that would run at 30 fps uh in many cases can run at 60 fps um, so you might actually have games that look better, or you might be able to crank up the internal resolution. Even if you're not able to actually have a physically larger resolution of the screen, it might look better. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't rely on that. Um, I don't think this thing is actually going to like turn heads as a switch emulator. Some games will work. Um, but I wouldn't bet on it for everything. Um, but like, I've definitely seen people running things like Metroid dread on it and it seemed to run fine. Um, so, you know, maybe, well, and I guess there's a final question here from the Discord uh, from Jesse, just asking if you feel that there's certain genres of games or, you know, maybe we'll broaden that out, specific kinds of games in general uh, that are a best fit for the Steam Deck. Is there some kind of game where, you know, all things being equal, you're at home, you could sit down at your PC instead, but this is a game you've got to play on the Steam on the Steam Deck? So I think the big ones that are going to be better on the steam deck. Even if you were like, if I'm sitting in my office, you know, honestly, I probably choose to play on my desktop PC if it's right there. Cause it is very nice. But like, um, uh, things like, uh, you know, 2d games in general 
are great on the Steam Deck, uh, like 2D platformers, things like that. They run really well. They don't tax the hardware. They can run it at 60 FPS. Um, and you get those sort of like con- uh, console-style convenience features, like being able to like hit one button, lock the screen, put it away in a bag, come back to it later, boot it up, and you're right where you left off. Um, or the convenience of like just you know being able to walk around the house with it or go sit on the couch with it or wherever like all the things that make the switch convenient you get those and you get them really well with things that are kind of like low specs so you don't you don't feel the steam deck like struggling to run you know love Two, which is one of the things i installed from itch um it runs great it looks great it was perfect um so that kind of stuff no sweat also, I would say this is probably a really good way to run things like PC exclusive graphic novels. Uh, you can get great, uh, great battery life if you crank the gra- the battery life down to something like 15 FPS. And uh, I said graphic novels, and I, I, I meant uh, visual novels. You know what I mean? Um, How is like it that, for reading comic books? Can I get it's probably uh, really bad? <laughs> 720p is not much for reading comic books. I would choose my iPad over that. 100% of the time. Um, although, I don't know, probably doable if you want. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would say it's it's like, for me, like I'm most excited to use it for any indie game that's like 2D or like low-end 3D, basically. Um, for like full-on AAA experiences, um, you're going to get a better uh, experience playing this on, certainly it's not going to measure up to something like a PS5 or a high-end, or even like mid-tier gaming PC, um, but it'll run them, uh, is the thing. So for me, like, and, and like Steam, if you buy the game on Steam, you can install it on a Windows PC, and you get that Steam Cloud Sync, where like, that's that's a win for me. So while it's not like my first choice for something like Elden Ring, uh, you know, a AAA experience, it is a choice I can make. And it doesn't cost me any extra to make that choice if I choose to play it on the Steam Deck. Solid. So that's really great. Um, also, there was one question um, here. Uh, somebody was asking about like information density. Like, uh, oh, this was part of Michael's question earlier. He was asking about yeah, um, when he was like asking about had, Civ and uh, yeah, he was asking, and and like he said, he was just starting to wear glasses and um, uh, was worried about games that might have a lot of like dense text or small text, and that's definitely a problem. More, I think, with with like. Um, like games in general, like it seems like a lot of games are just putting really small text on screen and saying, you know, screw you if you can't read it. Um, and I understand how that happens, but it's still very frustrating. Um, the one consideration this does do is there's a system level magnifier that you can turn on. Um, probably only worth using if you are on those like, like, you know, um, menu screens or something, you're not going to want to use it while you're doing like Twitch action or something, but you can turn on like a screen magnifying mode where you can pan around and see a zoomed in version of anything on the screen. And having that built in as a system level feature is actually kind of nice. I've only used it a handful of times, but, um, it is there. Uh, so if you are playing that game like Civ or something where you've got something just too small to read, um, there's probably a way to work it out. Uh, it's probably not going to be as nice as sitting in front of a big screen, though. Do you think there will be like an equivalent to the Light Boy magnifier for the Steam Deck? Like a nice Fresnel magnifying lens that sticks out in front of it and uh, just gives you that that view that really pops? God, I hope so. I would buy that. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the the true answer is just hold it close to your face. Um, that's what I do. I sit with this thing kind of 
propped up pretty. I, I, I don't know. Like it's maybe not the best ergonomics, but like you can imagine me sitting like with my elbows propped up on like a, like a couch or cushion or like the sides of the couch um, with my, my, my forearms almost vertical and the game, you know, the, the, the thing positioned basically directly in front of my head, like a, like a pair of goggles. See, you or scoffed when I asked about the, the heat in the center of the screen, but you're going to, you're going to rue the day. You're going to end up with nose burns. No, I am not. It is fine. It vents all of its heat directly up. So at most it might singe the front of my hair. While I'm yeah. thinking about this, do they have an equivalent to the Game Boy camera? <laughs> I mean, you could hook up a a, a USB C webcam to it. So yes, that sounds like a good plan. Someone should do that. <laughs> yeah. They definitely make USB C webcams that literally just attach to a USB C port. So you could you could totally do that. Um. Yeah, as far as like um uh like accessories are concerned, uh, apart from the case that I mentioned, like uh it comes with a nice charger, uh it'll charge at 45 watts. So that's actually pretty beefy. If you have USB-C chargers that are intended for a phone, they probably won't be able to charge it while playing, but if you have one that's intended for even a small laptop, um like I have a uh, like an Anchor uh two port USB-C charger that does 65 watts. We didn't really get into that it. when we talked about battery life. Like Two like hour and a half of Elden Ring. That's like, uh, yeah, okay. Like, I'm probably gonna want to. I I, I would honestly say probably more likely two hours yeah. of Elden Ring, but even but, so, yeah, it's not. It's but not when I've thing. gotten that hour and say I have played an hour and a half of Elden Ring, or I am running low on power, um, but I don't want to just plug it in. I how long would it take to charge? Like, is it a fast charging device on its native power support, power supply? Uh, I think it's pretty fast. Um, I uh, so like again, it charges at at, uh, at forty five watts. I I think so. I, like I, I again, I've only had it for like a, a month, and I'm not like a gadget blogger who does tests on this stuff, so I don't know for sure. But it seemed to charge pretty fast to me. Um, if you're actually playing a game, it doesn't really charge very fast because I assume it's using most of that power for for game, right? But um, you know, plugged in, screen off, charger going. Um, it, it charges pretty fast, but, um, you know, probably a couple of hours to fully charge the battery, something like that. Um, but, uh, only if you have like a fully serious, like, you know, 45 plus watt USB-C charger. Um, I even ran into the fact that like my USB-C charger has two ports on it. And if I plugged anything else into it, um, it was charging much slower. So, um, you know, you need to know what charger you're using. Uh, I will say though, it, the charger it comes with, um, it's a little weird in that it has an attached cable, which is uncommon for USB-C chargers, but it has a nice long cord and uh, it's a pretty good charger that it comes with. Yeah, I think it's not hard to find a high quality USB-C charger these days. I, the only worry for me would be, like, I don't know if you remember when third party docks started coming out for the Nintendo Switch, mm-hmm. they were uh, bricking the Switch uh, because they the switch had unpublished really uh, specific requirements for for what it needs in terms of power delivery and stuff like that, so I, I don't figure that would be the same issue for the 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 Steam Deck mainly because every technical detail about the Steam Deck is published on their website. You can find all the statistics about what's inside of it, and people have probably already done lots of teardowns as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would be a little worried about that. 
I did see some uh, people on Reddit say that they had issues with certain chargers and a couple people even complained that they said that like a uh, like a dock that they used bricked their Steam Deck. Um, but it <sighs> seemed like that's the kind of like very small vocal minority on Reddit that also is, you know, we're talking about like a Gen 1 set of products mm-hmm. intersecting with like... So um, if you're the very cautious type, it might be worth... Uh, holding off on third-party docking solutions until Valve has their own. Um, but I am throwing caution to the wind. I've used it with my Genki dock, uh, for, that it was a you know a switch dock, but also works for this. I've used it with a Anchor uh, sort of USB-C hub with HDMI on it, and that works fine. Um, and that also has Ethernet, which was very convenient because uh, its its Wi-Fi is pretty fast. It's got Wi-Fi uh, like uh, like five gigahertz Wi-Fi, but installing large games from Steam is much faster over Ethernet. So if you're sitting there downloading like three or four AAA games to it all at once, um, plug, being able to plug in Ethernet is a nice plus. Um, and I've had no issues personally, so obviously no issues exist if they haven't affected me. Yeah, and uh, I I did dig for a second there on the Google. And uh, it says that the device will charge up to about 80% capacity in 100 minutes, which is the kind of statistic that uh, only a device maker could come up with. The, please, please give me these kinds of stats in like either how long does it take to fully charge? Just be real with me <laughs> or, uh, or or just tell me like in some regular amount of 100 minutes is not a, an amount of time that I ever st- structure my life around how long how how high does it get in an hour two hours just tell me yeah well i mean that sounds about it in line with what um what i've seen so i I would say like it's uh if if you treat you treat the charging situation on this kind of like uh like a u like a small usb-c laptop Mm -hmm. rather than thinking of it like a phone or small device because it has a fairly big battery and you know it, it charges the same way you yeah. can think of like an like a MacBook Air or something. So I think if you get one of these, you're gonna want to have two things. You're gonna want to have the like set it down, dock it, charging kind of charging station kind of spot for it, um, and have that fairly well thought out. Whatever the USB C charging station in your house already, maybe you you've got one that'd be great. And then you yeah. probably also want a portable charger that is going to have a long cord. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Well, the other thing is you, you might uh, like if you're traveling with it, um, you know, USB-C power banks with power delivery thing also exist. I've got one that's okay. Um, I might get a, a different one because like the one that I have can output something like 20 something Watts, which will charge this if it's off and would probably like let it play games for longer, but wouldn't be able to like charge and play. Um, uh, but like having a USB-C power bank for this means that you could potentially get a lot more hours out of it. Um, and those are coming down in price quite a lot. Like they're not See, too bad. This is, this is once again, right back to the game gear because exactly. the game gear uh, you know, we're, we're talking about it a lot. If you never saw one, it's a, it was the old, it was Sega's response to the Game Boy, uh, but it had this same form factor. It was the long, wide thing. It had a color liquid backlit liquid crystal display in it. Um, and it ran on Side-lit six. with a fluorescent bulb. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and it had uh, six AAA batteries in there and it would drain a full a full rack of six AAA batteries in 
three to five hours of gameplay. And yeah, so this is exactly what you want to give to your kid on a long car ride. Uh, is this my, absolute my memory of it is it was muncher. even worse than that, like three to five hours with, I think, modern batteries, which are way better than the batteries in the like mid 90s when Shane and I were using these things. I basically and never ran the thing off batteries. We plugged it in all the time. At a certain point, we ended up with a uh, like a, a secondary battery pack. And this is not like the rechargeable. This I think we refilled it with rechargeable double A's, but it was like a case. No, no, no. It was rechargeable. It was a rechargeable lead acid battery. Yeah. Back in the 90s, if you wanted a rechargeable battery, they were huge yeah, and they were. heavy. And typically, they were lead acid batteries. It was almost as big battery. as the Game Gear itself, which was already like bigger uh, by a third than a Game Boy. Yeah. So it would give you like like a couple of hours, and it would take all day to charge. It sucked. And it weighed an mm-hmm. absolute ton. So yeah, um, I definitely have like uh, echoes of the Game Gear off of this thing. It is in- infinitely way cooler to play than a Game Gear. <laughs> uh, but like really the thing that like the, the, the like having a very large chunky boy handheld uh, that eats batteries in a, you know, in a more modern uh, rechargeable context, but like does does frankly eat batteries if you're doing something really advanced with it. Um, it, it has that it has that Game Boy or Game Gear uh, feel. But hey, I love the Game Gear, man. Love it. People, people just absolutely shouted uh, about the Game Gear when it came out, uh, totally mocking it for its hugely overpriced cost of one hundred and fifty dollars. Man, was it that? That's that's yeah, like, that's fair, dude. You know, the Game Gear was was a master system, like it, the, yeah. the the Sega Master System. They just literally like they run the same games, um, slightly different resolution. Uh, obviously different pinout, but like you could get an yeah, adapter had a lot and plug of a master system game into it. Master system games got ported to it. Uh, it's actually a great console. I have a game gear. I, I modded my game gear this year to accept because the, the power adapters for it are kind of annoying. So I'm, um, and you know, it is annoying to run it off batteries. I modded my game gear to accept USB C power. Um, it's not like a rechargeable thing. It literally just like plug it into a USB charger or battery bank and it'll, it'll work um, off of that. Uh, And it's been way more convenient. And so I started playing it a lot more. Um, So like, I love the game gear, man. There's a lot of games from my childhood that were, you know, they were great Mm -hmm. on the game. The power Rangers fighting game for the game gear whipped dude. It's great. I would say one of the main flaws of the Game Gear was that our parents, because probably because it was $150, only bought us one to share. Is that true? I thought we each had one. Wait, did we? Oh, shit. I think we we each had one. We we don't. We certainly don't have two of them anymore. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, but uh, I wish we did. Yeah, it sure was. It sure was a, a battery hog. It was, yeah, uh, but kind of awesome. If you're sitting in the back of a car on a long ride between Houston, Texas, and uh, Disney World or something, it was awesome. Um, yeah, so I guess we probably leave it there because we talked too long about the Steam Deck. Um, More information anybody... than you require, provided yes. by the Short Game. Yeah. Um. So I think the Steam Deck is a great product for people who play the kinds of games that we do on this show. Um, I am going to suggest you buy one if you have the funds and also don't mind waiting months because you're you're probably going to put your five dollars down and wait months and months. But hey, by the time you 
come up in the queue, they will have fixed a lot of the weird software issues that uh, that have plagued us early adopters. So maybe you're the smart one after all. Um, and honestly, uh, if you're like, eh, 400 is kind of a lot, maybe I'd consider it, but well, I don't know. But shouldn't I really be buying the 500 X dollar one or the, the extra spicy one with the, with the, uh, the like anti-glare screen? Nah, don't worry about it, man. Get this cheap one. I think it's probably fine to get the cheap one, um, and get a big SD card, stick your games on there, especially the kinds of games that we play, uh, around here. Uh, they'll run just fine off the SD card, or you can probably have plenty of space for all the uh, visual novels you want on the 64 gig model. So whatever, get it. I think it's really cool. Um, and that's all I got to say about the Steam Deck. If you got questions for me about the Steam Deck, hit me up on Twitter or on our Discord. Uh, you can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net, uh, where you'll find our contact form. You'll find our, our you know, link to our Twitter. Uh, you'll find all the ways to subscribe to the show in various podcast apps. If you listen to the show and you haven't subscribed, how are you managing that? But also do that, please. And if your podcast platform of choice offers the option to leave reviews, that is a really wonderful thing to do, and we appreciate it. Another wonderful thing to do is to support the show with your dollars. That allows us to continue keeping the lights on, funding the hosting that runs the show, improving things as we can. Um, Purchasing Steam Decks. Yeah, well, I guarantee you listeners that none of the show funds went to purchase my Steam Deck. That was that was all Reagan's jobby job paying for that one. Uh, but hey, maybe you'll buy our next Steam Deck. Um, my but, Steam Deck. Yeah. <laughs> But really what you're mostly paying for is the hosting and our ability to occasionally buy games that we cover on the show. And it's very, very helpful. Um, and uh, you can support us by finding us on Patreon, patreon.com slash the short game. Uh, and if you support us even a dollar a month, you get immediate access to our discord, which is where we chat about things uh, and uh, prepare for upcoming episodes. And also if you uh, support us at the $5 level, then we will send you some short game stickers, which you can apply to your own steam deck. Uh, I have not done that yet, but actually now that I'm thinking about it, I will put some short game stickers on my steam deck today uh, and they will look awesome. So, uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm Reagan Kelly. You can find me at Reagan K R A Y G A N K. And Shane, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at Eight Bit Shane. And I'll say right now that uh, our next episode, uh, we're going to be talking about Norco, an indie game that has been tearing up the various uh, charts and websites that we pay attention to and whatnot it is a point and click so we're spending a little longer with it uh which is why we didn't have it for you this week but i am playing it on the steam deck uh and it's uh, it's an interesting experience how's that touch screen for the, for the point it's click. actually pretty good it's pretty good also uh doing a lot of mousing around the little touchpad it's pretty good uh and norco is available on uh pc game pass if you uh, have that um and it's also on steam uh, it's not on consoles yet um, so, uh, but I think I, I've just gotten through to what I think is a really good part and I think it's really good, uh, so, so far. So check it out. Uh, and listeners, thank you for joining us on this episode of the short game.